Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am joined as ever by Ruth. Hi, Ruth. How are you doing? Good, good. Rather, I'm sitting in um, a little, what they call a tutoring room, in my, my new local public library nearest our, our latest uh, our latest volunteering place. This is much better than sitting in the uh, sitting in the truck in a lay-by, I have to say. I was going to say, and much less creepy looking, I would imagine, uh, as well. <laughs> um, <or laughs> it is rather disconcerting, actually, because it's so... It's so in the middle of nowhere, but everybody knows it's the it's the lay by that gets cell service. <laughs> so you get a surprising amount of traffic in and out, and it's all just everybody's just like a bit um, a bit weary of each other. Like, no, I'm just I'm just here for the cell service, really. <laughs> I, pe- people now must dread driving past that and seeing your truck there, thinking, "Oh my god, that woman's <laughs> going to be there for an hour and a half." I don't know what she's doing, that lunatic, shivering away in a lay by. But that is some phone call she needs to make to that woman. So we'll we'll leave her be and we'll find somewhere else yeah yeah it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me um so uh today uh we're going to talk about Kiefer Moore we're a little bit behind that I think that happened the weekend after we recorded last so we uh we haven't really spoken about that yet so we'll we'll have a quick chat through that we're going to talk about the the Pinatar Cup and the women's games that have gone on uh, the last few days there we're going to talk about Noel Mooney being I would say uh quite uh Evocative, shall we say, in uh, in 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 some of his. He's a little. He's a little tease, is what he is. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. He really is. Um, so we're going to talk about him, and we've got a few questions from you to throw in as well. I've got to say, Ruth, it's lovely to actually talk to a human being. Uh, not that my wife doesn't count as a human being, but I've had COVID this week, so I've been kind of stuck in the house just to share a mildly amusing story. I was supposed to go for people who are aware of the fact that I had car calamities around Christmas. Um, I was supposed to return the borrowed car that we had after our car broke down on the journey back to the Netherlands. And um, I did my COVID test just to make sure everything was okay before I left on the Thursday. Coincidentally, just happened to be the same weekend that I had tickets for Newcastle West Ham. And I got my I got my bloody COVID result positive. So another calamity. I'm beginning to think that I'm cursed. Um, I'm not sure it's worth me driving this car back in there. I think I might just set fire to the car and let someone else claim insurance money because I feel like that bloody thing's never going to make it back. But there you go. Um, so it's been a very dry few days uh, in, in my, well, not dry at all. In fact, all I've done is drink, but um, it's very, very dull few days uh, in our house. So I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk to you, Ruth, and talk about football. Um, so let's start on Kiefer Moore. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he broke his foot playing for Bournemouth. I think it was his first or second appearance. He'd only been on the pitch a couple of minutes. Um, big loss for Wales in a sense. Um, there's a balanced side to that as well, which kind of means that maybe it's actually not the end of the world. But I think the big thing I wanted to kind of start with, Ruth, is we've mentioned a couple of times that that two up front that we, we play, where it's James, Bale and Moore, two of those three are going to start we've said that the reason that system kind of works in inverted commas is often because we've got one of those three is often injured or suspended and and that has come to pass again making that making that uh, decision for rob page a little bit easier so um ultimately i guess i just want to know whether you think it's actually that big a deal because i mean obviously it is literally a big deal but in terms of how we would start the game perhaps i'm not sure it is i think my concern is and has been and we've we've mentioned this aspect several times is that we seem to score more goals when he's around and when we're not going to get through these two games if we don't score some goals and so um 
that really is my concern. I, I do think we just, we're just able to make better use of the crosses and the free kicks and the set pieces and the, the hold-up play. I think it all just works a bit better with him there. I agree with you. I think it was always going to be per two of three from DJ Bale and, and more. Uh, and thankfully, Gareth is looking like he's going to get some time with Madrid between now and March, as long as nothing, nothing bad crops up. Um, and so in that respect, I think it's it's sort of forced, it's forced Paige's hand in, in the case of which two of the three is he going to play? It doesn't leave him with the temptation to play in all three of them. Um, and so I think in that sense, as you say, it's, I think my concerns are more about how we have played with and without him than actually being without him. I know that seems somewhat yeah. contradictory. No, that makes sense. I think what's interesting is that I don't think he will have started anyway. I think he will end up have started mm-hmm. Bale and DJ, which is interesting. Then I think that the the thing is this does take away our plan B, but I would then make the argument that hopefully plan A is good enough um, against a side like Austria who are in mixed form that you'd like to think that there's enough we have around us to, to beat them. Also in the sense that you think that you wonder if maybe our attacking change options go from maybe having a holding to a midfield and one number 10 slash number eight type player to having one holder and two eights so that yes we don't have the long ball if you like option to to Kiefer but there's more attacking players in the side elsewhere so I, I do wonder if that might that becomes the dilemma after a while because I think realistically the decision of Bale and DJ is now made um, and I, I actually think that Morel's absence from that first game may actually provide the biggest talking point or the the biggest kind of selection dilemma compared to Kiefer before we go on to that I I think the big thing is there though that we don't have a plan B per se anymore and I do wonder if this might be a a roll of the dice moment for someone oh my mind's gone completely blank now the young boy at Cardiff City um who do I mean Ruth uh, Colwell. Do you mean Harry's or, or Colwell? Colwell, right. sorry. I got there in the end. Um, whereas he's quite a big lad. He can he can hold up the ball well. He has been in better form for Cardiff this year. He scored himself a couple of goals. I wonder if he might become the plan B there as, as a bigger lad. I, that's that's my logic rather than looking at a Jeff Cotter or a Doidge as we've, as we've previously discussed. Yeah, no, I think at this point um, the I think we won't make particularly won't make squad changes compared to November. Nothing dramatic, if you know what I mean. Um, there might be a few tweaks on the fringes, but I think basically the sort of the 26 are going to be the 20, well, aside from a couple of injuries, but the 26 are probably going to be very similar. And then um, I think this, again, this is something we visited before, isn't it? That if if we want to play with a Kiefer Moore-esque player, we haven't, put in the time and the energy to find who is our second more-esque player to come in under these circumstances. And that's a 
concern because all you need is for you know Bale's hamstring to be playing up or his ankle or his god knows which bit of him um <laughs> and and you know we we have a dilemma I think the saving grace is we've got some players at the attacking end of the field who are actually doing pretty well at the minute the Brennan Johnsons of the world the Harry Wilsons of the world um so my concern would be it might be a bit ragtag and and I, I think the games are too important to go in having to redesign what you're doing I think we're left really with having to cross our fingers that DJ and Bale get through the next few weeks and that's just that's teetering on the edge of things just a little bit too much for me yeah no I'm with you on that um and I do think that it's whilst it's not the kind of big blow as as some have made out it is obviously the what the knock-on effect of it I think is just is, is possibly even more important than the actual thing of him not being able to play himself if you know what I mean um before we move on um oh I didn't tell you I've just thought of this Sorry, I might edit oh, this. Yeah. I might edit this out because I, I it sounded very high pitched there. Um, is <laughs> I I didn't tell you I was on the radio talking about this. Did you did you did you see that? I didn't. I didn't hear it, but I I, I think I caught enough on Twitter that you. I realised you'd been on on the radio. So fill me in. Sorry, this is a live live Chad meeting that you're hearing. <laughs> um, yeah, I got I got the phone call on a Sunday night and asked if I wanted to do it. So first thing on Monday morning. Uh, I was on uh, BBC Radio Wales talking about uh, talking about Kiefer Moore's broken foot, uh, which was fun. I didn't swear. <laughs> I was proud of myself. Um, I got a, a unique insight into what it's like to be in your shoes, Ruth, rather than, you know, what we record this where it's late in the evening and I've got a beer and you've got a coffee, whereas uh, I had a I had a coffee first thing in the morning getting ready to do this, which was nice. The dog didn't bark either, which was, uh, which was a bonus. Um, so, yeah. Um, sorry, I, I thought I told you that. Anyway... Um, to go back to the thing that people listen to us for, um, the other one that I would like to throw into that mix, just to kind of have a bigger conversation, I guess, is Dylan Levitt, who who scored a goal last week and has been has been playing very very well. I, I wonder if looking at Morel's absence, and this leads into a question that someone has asked us, which I'll, I'll go to now. We're looking at possibly having a selection dilemma there because. Would you want to play with one holding midfielder? And Edgefoff had this debate uh, last week, I think. But would you play with one holding midfielder, realistically, Alan, and then others around him with legs who can get up and down and choose one, choose two of Ramsey, uh, Levitt, Wilson, Johnson? Or would you have another holder alongside Alan um, and... You know, bang on Bale Ramsey DJ being able to do something there, um, and then if you would do that, who is that holder next to next to Alan? Because if it's Ampadu, which is what I would do, it has a knock-on effect for the defence there. So, I guess that the mm-hmm. wider point I'm trying to make is that yes, whilst this key for more thing is bad, it doesn't actually change too much for us. Whereas I think the Morel situation, like him or not. I do think it becomes interesting now because one change that you can make in that little setup can kind of um, change change the way we play and change our shape in there. So I wonder if Moore's absence might mean, okay, we need more legs in midfield so he does go with one holder and two eights, if you like, rather than two holders mm-hmm. and one ten, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I would go for a combination of almost like a... Three, three, one, one, two, almost as it were. Yeah. 
like three at the back, Roberts, Allen and Williams. And you think about how Williams played in that France game. He was he was like coming in defensively a bit as well, wasn't he? He wasn't like tied to that to that left wing in quite the way that he's been in some of the more recent games. And I think he's adaptable enough. Assuming you've got Ampadu in your back three, he can step up, or you can have Ramsey stepping back, or you can have Roberts and Williams pulling in a bit. Um, so, and I, I want space for Wilson. I think that's, that's important enough to me that I would go without an obvious partner for Alan on the basis that you've got players who know what they're doing around him and can support. So I think it kind of depends also, as long as, as long as we're not in a situation where Amphidou's not available, for example, um, because I think if you have Mepham in that position in the back three he doesn't he doesn't have that kind of midfield um insight the way Ampadu does so I don't think he'd see the problems as readily um anyway I think that's the way I'm leaning I want Wilson there so basically you're saying the one holder and the two eights slash tens however you look at it yeah I would I would have Alan almost like a sort of central Alan, Ramsey, Wilson, then Bell and James slightly ahead of them, I think right, is what okay. I'm picturing. If you were just scheming it up, obviously that wouldn't, it would look different in reality. But I think that's what I'm leaning towards yeah. with Ampadu and Rodden and Davies at the back. For me, I think that just leaves us too open. And I also think it takes Ampadu out of the game in, in a way. I think you're you're wasting his abilities there. I think I would rather, because our defence I think is going to be a little bit suspect on the basis that Danny Ward... I assume we'll start. He's not going to have played. You're going to be left with Rodden, Mepham, and Ben Davis. Ben Davis, the only one of those who's getting any game time regularly. So I would rather have someone else in front of them protect them, but also who can spray the ball around. I think Ampadu's better in that holding position. The other thing is as well, is that. But who would who would you where would you sacrifice to have? Keep three at the back and then have two holders. Assuming you're going with the wing backs. Yeah, I would do that. And uh, so I would have um, the back three, Rodden, Mepham, Davis. The two wing backs, the same as you, Roberts and Williams, as you suggested. But I'd have Ampadu and Allen holding. And I'd just say to Ramsey, because, uh, you know, we'll come on to him in a little bit. But I would say to him, look, mate, you go and knock yourself out going forward. Press high up the pitch. It doesn't matter if you get caught out. We've got two people sweeping up behind you. I think that's Ramsey's best role. That's his best position. So mm-hmm. I would rather that. And then it has to be Bale and DJ up front. I, I take the point about Johnson and Wilson. They're both in exceptional form. But Aaron Ramsey is a world-class footballer. And I think fitting him into his best position is more important to me than the other stuff. And I think the other thing about this circumstance is as it did work well against the Czech Republic, is that it gives us this option to change things quite easily, leaving one holder and being a bit more gung-ho, having Wilson, Johnson, even Tyler Roberts, if you know, depending on how it's going in behind, and just completely committing everything forward if we need goals. What I don't want to do is I don't want us to be a bit too attacking at the start and leave us open. And let's say Austria nick a goal. I do think they will be, you know, I think we said this when we went through the... 
the kind of preview stuff, if you like, that they really don't score many. But they didn't actually concede loads either. They got a couple of beatings, but they didn't concede too many. So I would worry that they would get one ahead, one ahead because we've gone gung-ho and then sit in. I would rather be a bit more conservative to start, knowing that even at half-time, if we needed to, we could change gear a little bit and, and push on. Um, that's how I would go. Um, but as... As we know, Ruth, you and I know very little about football when it's played out in reality. <laughs> so so who knows what is going to happen there. Um, that does very briefly just lead us to a question I just want to ask you um, that has come in on Twitter from Darren Lewis, which is, would you start Brennan Johnson against Austria? And if so, who would you leave out? He, Darren thinks that he'll end up on the bench, uh, but he's a great option to have. So I guess my point there, my question after what you've just said about Wilson is, would you go Wilson over Johnson if we played the, the extra kind of attacking player in midfield? Yes, but I like the option of having Johnson come on for the last 20 minutes. I think I think we're actually very blessed to have that as a, a permutation at the minute. And if it turned out that, you know, Wilson gets a knock or DJ gets a knock or Gareth gets a knock before then, then I've got no qualms about putting him in either. Um, I think, you, you know, you just got to see how he's how he's stepped up over the last six months or so. He's, you know, he's a little star in the making, definitely. Yeah. So, um, I, I, uh, right now, I'm, I think I'm content with wh- where I'm leaning, but I think a lot depends on just who's carrying something by a month's time from yeah. now. You know, who's who's got some minutes in? I mean, there's a big assumption that Gareth's going to get at least some time with with Madrid over the next few weeks. Who knows? Um, so that's that's where I'm that's where I'm leaning at the minute. Um, I think. I think that's the way I'm leaning for Austria. If we do make it to a second game, I think there's, I think your arguments play more. If, if, if your arguments, I, I think I'm more behind them for the second game. What being being more attacking in the second game? Do I feel sick talking about the second game? <laughs> I don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, being a bit, being a bit, having two holders then, I think would be more okay. important. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's a tough one for me, Johnson. But let's not get ahead well, of ourselves, Dave. No, exactly. <laughs> I feel physically sick. Um, I, I, I think that the option of Johnson off the bench is a good one for me. A, a lot of it because I, I don't think, obviously, you know, the Austrians aren't stupid. They will have done their homework. But I think, relatively speaking, he'll still be an unknown commodity to an extent. I think having someone come on later in a game with that burst of pace that energy he can close down he can press he can drive forward with the ball he can cross the ball he can score goals he arrives late in the box he would be if you're tired after a big tense game like that with 15 20 minutes yeah. to go he would be your worst nightmare whereas i think relatively you know what you're getting from harry wilson which is no bad thing but i think Johnson has that unpredictability to him, which I think can win us or turn us against. Similar to how Ben Woodburn did actually, ironically, against Austria when he made his first start, where he was just quite raw and just kind of burst into the game. And I think, I think Johnson can have a similar effect there. But as you say, a lot can change between now and then. I guess you know injuries knocks. We'll just come to Rambo Galois in France mentions England uh, Rambo uh, injured again up in Scotland. Um, he is. I'm, I've seen he is going to be in the the squad for the game against Borussia Dortmund on Thursday, and it was just a minor knock that kept him out of this. It's interesting, actually. I watched the Dortmund Rangers game uh, last Thursday, 
I don't know if you've seen it or or another result. They Rangers won four two. Absolutely <laughs> breathless game of football. <laughs> so entertaining to watch. Rangers are actually much better. T- I've obviously not seen them before this season, and I don't know how they've generally been playing. But my God, they looked at it. They were so good on the break. And you know, I was thinking, bloody Rambo can't get a game in front of Lundstrom, and then Lundstrom scores this absolute beauty from outside the box. They're a bl- they're they're not a bad side. That I'm I'm, I'm going to try and watch that mm-hmm. game on uh, on Thursday because I, I very much enjoyed it. But um, it's interesting actually that I, I say that because Rambo, yes, he's he's had a little bit of a knock, but he's actually not had that much game time. It's interesting to see how uh, Rangers are kind of slowly bleeding him in, if you like. He's had 15, 20 minutes here and there. He, play, he started the cup game against Anon Athletic, and that was about it. Um, so it's good to see them manage him, the injuries, and maybe that he's kind of part of that as well. Looks like I got a text off my Irish mate the other day. It was just like, good to see Ramsey saving himself for what's important in March. Um, so I do wonder <laughs> if there's an element of that to that as well, um, where he's just kind of managing himself. He knows any small nails or not, it's not worth the risk to him. Um, he'll just kind of sit out and look after himself because he knows what's coming. I, I do wonder if that's how he's managing it. I don't know what you think. Oh, well, I would kind of hope so. Um, I find it interesting that Rangers seem to be prepared to run with it. Um, the, I mean, I don't think we need him to get huge minutes, do we? We just we just need to be confident that we we can get 90 out of him because he's had, you know, 55, 60 with them over, you know, once a week over the next three to four weeks sort of thing. Um, and I think I think you're right. I think there's a, as a team, they've perhaps got more to offer than we appreciate. I can see um, I can see a role where he he's him as a, a sort of extra bit of icing is actually quite a nice option for them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think as, as long as we take what's happening at face value, everybody seems to con- content to say that the situation at the weekend was a slight knock and they just weren't taking chances and I can understand that with yeah. with Thursday's game coming up um you're going to play safe aren't you so so I think I think Thursday will tell us a lot about where he fits in with them yeah yeah I, I would agree with that I mean whilst we're doing this I was going to save questions to the end but whilst we're doing this I'll I'll, I'll chuck them all in now um <laughs> we've had uh Aunt Lewis uh, has messaged a pal of mine from, from here, from the Netherlands. Um, how concerned are we about Bale's lack of game time leading up to the big games? Um, equally, like you, you kind of referenced it there, um, I, I do think that any kind of minutes, obviously bar the odds, two or three minutes he's getting here and there is, is not great, but I think any sort of minute is great. And we know he's the sort of player who needs a bit of a a run into to these sort of big games and he is having that with Real Madrid okay it's not massive minutes but he did start against Villarreal a couple of weeks ago played you know played all right but I think he needs to just get his eye in on a competitive stage a couple of times so in terms of game time I'm I'm fairly confident that he's going to be okay as we go into this game in March yeah no I think I'm more worried about him being involved and then getting a knock than I am about quite how he's involved if that makes sense I think like you say I think as long as there's, as long as there's a little bit mileage under the hood he he's he does seem to need some but not a huge amount I think it's it's fair to say and so I think as long as he's ticking over getting 20 minutes here and there and is comfortable and as much as anything is comfortable in his head with it, with his fitness I think I think there's a lot there 
where he 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 needs to feel confident and how he gets to that point I think is well one is very personal but I don't think it's just about him having to have you know 90 minutes three times a week I don't think that is how he gets there I think it's how he feels um more how he feels about his body and how his body is reacting than it is about the minutes almost yeah I know what you mean and and, and I do you know equally he did come on for a couple of minutes in that Champions League match the last three games he's been on the bench but hasn't come on so you know he that there does need to be a, there is a, a happier medium I guess between what you're saying and what I'm saying uh, than than what is happening at the moment so I, I'm not that concerned because I do think he'll get some game time um is it enough I, I you'll have to wait and see I, like you say I'm, I'm more concerned about him, him tweaking something than I am Anything else? Uh, this leads into a, a great question from GCHQ98 on Twitter, um, which is, I feel I feel bad even saying this, but has Bale got it anymore? He's a legend, an incredible talent in a Wales shirt. Do you believe, though, that his legs have gone? He hasn't been right since 2016. Um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think he's definitely still got it, and it may not produce it as often as he did, but you look at the Belarus game, basically he won that on his own, the away game. Um, I think the difference is is he's obviously not the player he was, but I think the difference is we can do it without him. Like the five-one Belarus game at home, then conversely, we just battered them, and he wasn't wasn't to be seen. Um, uh, obviously, I know he played the first half, but he, you know he didn't really contribute to that game in that sense. So <laughs> it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? So I think that yes, I think his legs have gone to an extent, and he's definitely not the same player, but has he got it in him to still contribute at this level and be the match winner or the, the, the person who makes the difference? I really, really believe that he has. And I think there were games in the Euros that even showed that as well. That Turkey game, for example, I know he missed the penalty, but you know there was moments and, and times in that game, and that wasn't long ago, where he really showed what he's capable of and that he's still got it. So for me, yes, he's not the same player, um, but he's still very much more than capable of kind of making a big, big difference to us. Yeah, I think the um, I think the Belarus away game is a very good illustrator of the fact that he can still turn yeah. games around for us. Perhaps not with the regularity that he did, and perhaps not with the as much kind of swashbuckling style as he did. But he is canny enough and has enough understanding of what's going on around him that he can still impact games. Um, I think it would have been a more sort of open discussion one if Moore hadn't got injured and two if Bale hadn't had any time with Madrid um I think then then it might have been a very real discussion about whether he was in a place to contribute um but I think I think the combination of the injuries we've got and his his you know running out a little bit at least um kind of almost sort of takes the question off the table because it's it's clear that our front two at the minute is some sort of combination of of James and Bale and more usually, and I think Moore's injury just puts that in more focus at the moment. Yeah, I, I would agree entirely. Um, unless you've got anything else to add there to uh, the the questions that we've been asked, I'm happy Ruth to move on. I know you mentioned in in our notes whether there was playing time concerns, and I'm actually a bit less concerned than I was because there's a there's a a number of players that seem to, that are getting more time now than they were back in the 
the in the mid-autumn kind of period. Davies is playing more. Connor Roberts is back playing a bit more. Williams is, you know, getting time at Fulham. So, or Ampadu's playing regularly and seems to be loving Italy. He seems to be having a whale of a time there. Um, so all in all, I'm actually a little less worried about the general the general kind of, like if you average their playing time across the board, I don't think it's as bad as it was. That's my gut reaction. Perhaps I'm a little less worried about that than I was a few months ago. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with that. I, I think when you actually look at what is likely to be our start in eleven, everyone will have had some sort of relatively regular playing time with the exception, admittedly, of three of the back six, <laughs> um, which now I've said that out loud sounds really stupid. But I do think that Rodden is young enough and uh, fit enough and good enough that he can come in and do a job and he's proved he can do that. I think Mepham hasn't had loads of minutes. He's had you know little bits here and there. I think he'll come in. And I think Ben Davis is obviously is great that he's playing every week. But he also has that ability, I think, the experience internationally to marshal that team and get them through the game. And I think Danny Ward has shown, with the exception of the Czech Republic game, that he doesn't necessarily need, in inverted commas, that that game time. Obviously, (laughs) ideally, we would really want to see that happen. So I'm not as worried as I would because it does look like other people around... That not net, that wouldn't always be getting minutes are still like we've often talked about Ampadu, yeah. Nico Williams, um, Ramsey, Bale, not getting even game Wilson time. at times. Yeah, even Wilson. That's true. Um, and now even the people who are coming off the bench are giving us options. So yeah. I, I think, and, and they are people who've been playing regularly. So yes, it's a shame for those three. But I think they've shown in the past they've got enough about them to, to be able to get through the game. Whether they'll go through it successfully is is obviously, you know, something we'll have to kind of wait and see. But I do think that I'm I'm less concerned than I was about that for sure. Um which yeah. which is which is good. Um to move on and talk about the Pinatar Cup. Um the women's mm-hmm. team have been playing in the Pinatar Cup in Spain. Um Opening game against Scotland, which they've won, went through to the second phase, I guess you would call it, against the Belgians, where they drew 0-0 in normal time but lost on penalties, and then played the third, fourth place playoff today, which is Tuesday, uh, and unfortunately lost 1-0 to the Republic of Ireland. Um, In the interest of honesty, I've seen... uh, I saw about half of the Scotland game. Um, I saw most of the Belgium game and all of the Scotland game today, uh, of the Scotland game, uh, the Ireland, Ireland game, game today. today. Um, so <laughs> let's, let, let's talk about the Scotland game first. Obviously, it was the first game, but I think it was probably our best all-round performance. Um, and let's start by talking about the obvious stuff. Three really good goals. Obviously, the first one's a penalty, but in how we got there, I thought it was great build-up. So let's start there. I, I thought it was a great little ball through and, and a great run by Kaylee Green, really showing what she's capable of, you know, powerful, strong, athletic, holding off two players by the end and just kind of gets cleaned out. I thought it was a it was a great move and, and showed what we're capable of in that sense when we have the ball. Yeah, and I also like the fact that we were coming from behind late in the half you know, not letting things peter out, keeping up, keep trying to keep on the front foot during a half that we, you know, you, we might have had. Well, it, it was, didn't really get going, did it, until yeah. they scored and then the, the half got going. Um, so I think that, in some respects, that's what I was most pleased with that we we didn't just kind of shut up shop till half time and 
think we'll regroup. We actually kept going quite deep into into injury time, actually. Um, and to, so to come from behind and score three, I think was particularly pleasing for me because scoring has been one of one of our issues. Um, I, I mean, a very well earned penalty basically that first one and then then a very well taken penalty yeah it was a great finish by Jess Fishlock um really kind of got us back into the game at a good time just before half time um the second goal is the back heel from Tash Hard is an absolute outrage <laughs> absolute <laughs> outrage now I don't want to be harsh on Tash I, I'm sure she doesn't listen but I couldn't quite decide if only because of a reaction afterwards if the back heel was, I'm just going to put this into an area because everyone's running at me and see what happens. Or if she knew that Jess was coming, because I feel like she's the kind of person, if she'd have had a look and done that on purpose, a knew Jess was going to be there. I feel like she would have lost her shit. And she seems so kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I do this all the time about it. It just didn't seem her somehow. So I, uh, I, 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 I'm not sure. I don't want to take anything away from Tasha. I don't know if she listens, but, um, but either way, what a ridiculous piece of skill. And it just, you know, we talk about Hal Robson Carnu's goal. I mean, the, li, li, they, I mean, half of the Scotland group players are still trying to pay to get back in now. They were that, they were sold that big a dummy. It was amazing. <laughs> Uh, and obviously <laughs> Jess Jess was on hand to kind of bury it. Just a, a fantastic bit of skill and a, and a lovely finish. Yeah, and I think just their, their interplay generally during the game was was impressive. I, I, I kind of think I'm leaning more towards she knew what she was doing. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to tweet her, see what she says. <laughs> I, I will, in fact. I'll tag her in it. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure she will, regardless of her intention, she'll say that she meant it either way, I'm sure. But um, yeah, a great, a great, a great bit of football. There's no doubt that she meant the third one, of course. Great little ball in and a lovely little mm-hmm. clever uh, front post finish. I think overall it was... Um, or, uh, Laura Sullivan was the other person I wanted to mention who got her, mm. her 50th cap. I think she that's worth noting. Um, uh, Hayley Ladd also came off quite early in the game with a bit of an injury, didn't appear again. So I assume it wasn't anything major and uh, nothing really that I can see anyway been said about that since. So I assume that was nothing major. It was just a precautionary thing, um, keeping mm. her out of the other games. So that's a, a slight concern, I guess, going into April. But in terms of the way I think Gemma Granger wants this team to play, I think if she's going to look back in, in, in months to come of a template about how to get about a team and how to beat them and how to, you know, be effective in front of goal. I think that was it, wasn't it? I think we played some lovely stuff and I, I could be wrong, but I think it's the first time in a long time we've beaten a team ranked above us. I was doing the maths. I think it was when we beat New Zealand. I think Kaylee Green scored that goal in a friendly when we beat them 1-0. Mm-hmm. I think that was the last time we beat a team ranked above us. So to be able to do that to Scotland, who are a good side, 23rd in the world, I think was, uh, was again, signs of progress. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... And, you know, doing that minus James in that game, because she ended up coming across late, didn't she? So I think, I mean, close to our starting 11, but not quite our starting 11. So I think that was pleasing. Um, Roe had a very good game as well. I thought she and Fishlock in particular were causing lots of problems for the Scots all game. Um, and then you look at the kind of the depth, you know, the fact that you, you yes, you lose Hayley Ladd relatively early, but you can, you can, Bring on Alla Philby. I mean, that's you know that says something in itself, doesn't it? That you've got those options yeah. in your in your in your squad. Um, so yeah, all in all, a very very positive game. I think um, you, I, I don't think there was anything to criticise really in that game. In fairness, 
No, I would agree. Uh, and I think that was the, the, the springboard, if you like, that, that pushed us on to the Belgium game, which may not have been the attacking performance that we that we showed against the Belgians, but definitely showed signs of attack uh, attacking skills on the break. I mean, Belgium ranked 20th in the world. We gave them a really good go. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Megan Wynn has got a fabulous chance to win it right at the death. Um kind of couldn't wrap her body around the ball, I guess, to kind of guide it uh, back across goal and into what was not far off an empty net. The keeper had committed herself. Um, I thought we defended really well. I was most impressed there with the way we kind of used the ball. I thought we were very effective. We tried to get forward quickly and in numbers. And okay, we didn't score, but I think what the plan was was effective in itself. I think we kind of sat in deep on a, a fairly low block, kept the ball well when we needed to, seemed very calm and composed, and did what was required, I think, in the circumstances while still looking a threat. And again, talk about positives coming up against the French team in a, in a couple of weeks now. If you look about the, the the Scotland game would be a blueprint for in terms of attacking football against a team that is ranked similarly to us. If you want to go and look at a team that's ranked further up again of how we could play and should play, then that idea of the low block and being a real counter-attacking threat was was there for all to see. And I thought there was a lot of positives to be taken from that performance. Yeah, I mean, I thought we actually had the better of the first half, in fairness. I thought we were the better team in the first half. Um, and then when you consider the, the squad rotation, you know, Escort coming in, Woodham coming in, James obviously coming in, but you'd expect to see her. Um, you know, not a huge number of chances created, but not a huge number of chances created by them either. And I, I'm with you. I think I think it's an interesting contrast between the two games of, you know, how we can play front foot football and how we can play counter-attacking football. I think that was, I think that just as an exercise, that was quite interesting to watch. Yeah, I agree. I, the other thing I did think was interesting was Olivia Clark coming in goal. Um, mm -hmm. We'll get onto her a little bit more in a sec, but I was interested. I I was I wasn't surprised to see there was rotation in goal. I was surprised to see that she played and started the third game today. And in fact, that that team that started the second game is pretty much, I think, what started today's game. Um, I was impressed by her in the first game. She didn't have much to do, but seemed to kind of command her area pretty well. Um, not entirely comfortable with too many crosses, I didn't think. Flapped at one today as well. But overall, I, th I was kind of impressed with, with her debut. I wonder if this is the... We've talked about this a couple of times, but the the succession plan started to take place a little bit where in these relatively unimportant games, if we're being quite black and white about it, to give someone like mm -hmm. Olivia Clark at game time so that when Laura Sullivan does you know, hit a plateau or whatever, then that person is not making their debut when they come in. You know, I think this was her third cap uh, today in, in total. So I, I did, I do think, think that was really interesting. That there's obviously a longer term mindset going into the situation, which is really encouraging, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's part of the, the squad depth, squad rotation, getting people experienced, getting some of the outfield players accustomed to playing in slightly different positions. I think it's all part of that sort of bigger picture grand plan stuff. You want to know that you've got a second goalkeeper that you can rely on just from an injury, just from a knock, just from a, and a, and a goalkeepers don't often get suspended, but they do, you know, just that you, you have someone, you know, you can rely on and is not coming into what's an incredibly yeah. um, 
strange set of circumstances for him or her. Um, and so I think I think it's all just part of that at the minute is just making sure that there's options and that there's a way to handle handle these um you know unexpected things and know that you've got the depth that can deal with it you know james gets back late for, for camp and you you've got a plan you, you can deal with it you know i think that's 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 all good stuff yeah i mean i agree I, I think she was a bit she didn't have much of a chance looking at the penalties i would like to think that that's <laughs> something that will be looked at because i don't want to be too harsh because again it's a tournament that doesn't matter but you know there were some very questionable penalties being taken there. And I do think ahead of what could be a playoff, so, well, almost certainly will be a playoff if we can keep our form going, uh, is, you know, that could be something that comes into play. So I, I do think, I, and I hope that this kind of sharpens the mind a little bit in in the sense of penalties, because I don't think, I mean, that scared me, if I'm honest. <laughs> not mm-hmm. Just because yeah. I know how big a games we've got coming up. And if it comes to that, you know, what if our one chance is a penalty? And yes, Jess Fishlock took a, took one and was great in the game but against Scotland. But, you know, I, I, that did kind of worry me a little bit. So I, hopefully that will kind of bring that type of thing into focus for, for Gemma Granger. Yeah, no, I would imagine if you're going into, into playoffs, and there's perhaps more attention paid to and who's available and who's doing what and the order that you do them and things like that than would have been given under these these circumstances um i think i mean cody green's penalty was great and i think the yeah. fact that we you know we went one up um i think to the, particularly disappointing in the way it ended up when we you know we had the advantage to start with yeah. um yeah some some poor penalties i thought there were some interesting choices about who was taking them that you know i, I think that would be uh interesting to tease out if they were volunteer you know they were just who volunteered on yeah. the evening or they'd actually been given some thought to it in advance and that sort of thing so yeah um but i'm sure more would go into it as you enter um as you enter playoffs i'm just trying to not think about what that might mean in march <laughs> yeah we don't want to talk about that just yet I think a lot of them. I think a lot of them. Sorry, I'm talking away from them like that. I think a lot of them would have been people. Sorry, I'm trying to pour a beer at the same time. I'm trying to concentrate. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to do this and not pour it on my laptop, which uh, I'm actually quite proud of myself. Um, yeah, I do think a lot of it felt like it was just people who were kind of volunteers on the day, which is fine. It's you know, it is a friendly tournament, so hopefully that'll just sharpen that focus. I, I think I don't know how much of today's game you saw because I know it was early there, but I will say I was. I don't want to say disappointed today because, again, it's a third, fourth place playoff as a friendly. Again, fundamentally doesn't matter. But I was a little bit concerned that how quickly we seemed to run out of steam and how we our plan A very clearly wasn't working from the offset, but we kind of stuck with it. And I can't decide if I admire that or was slightly concerned that there was no tactical switch to accommodate uh, what was very clearly a a stubborn Irish midfield and we kind of didn't do anything to change the way we could break them down, I thought. Okay. No, no I, I, have, I confess I haven't seen anything of it. It was so, it was so snowy here. I, uh, I just left early and took it very, very cautiously to get here. So I haven't caught up on, on today's game as yet. Um, I think that, I mean, from what you're describing, it's a bit, a bit concerned. I wonder whether the, the sort of the, the fun kind of dropped out of things after yeah. after the defeat with Belgium, whether, you know, everybody was just, they'd had their time in Spain and were, you know, were ready to be done. I think third and fourth playoff games, even when there's notionally some seriousness to them, 
can always be a bit flat, can't they? So, you know, maybe a tournament like this just means that they're particularly flat. Um, yeah, I think... I, I'm with you. I think it's important when you've got an opportunity to be playing the sorts of teams that we'll have to beat to get to a World Cup. I think you'd hope that you go into them on a on the front foot, but I'm not particularly going to lose sleep about a one nil defeat in this competition either. No, no, same here. It was just more the, the more we, the way we played. I mean, the goal we conceded was a sloppy goal trying to kind of play out of the back in a situation that didn't really require it, and the ball's fallen to. Uh, to the Irish player who, to be fair, fabulous little finish on the half volley into the top corner. Olivia Clark didn't have much of a chance. Um, did it a couple of times. And I think the only thing that worries me is, yes, we didn't keep the ball in attacking areas. We kept the ball well, kind of, you know, to keep possession sake, but didn't really do much with it. The thing that worries me is if they'd have won that game 4-0 on, on, in terms of clear-cut chances you wouldn't have said we would have been particularly hard done by. Um, there, were two or right, okay, there, there, there were two or three crosses um, which we just weren't dealt with. One in the second half, particularly a, a ball across on the right-hand side. Irish player is completely unmarked, 10 yards, yards out. Ball comes across from a corner, goes over everyone. Irish player misses from three yards out, heads over the bar. Um, one one lovely little pullback um, that struck straight straight at Sophie Ingle, but hit her on the heel, which was lucky. You know, we could have we could have lost that game four 0 So again, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but mm-hmm. it, I, again, I hope you know defensively we weren't at our best there, and I think maybe missing Haley Ladd and a bit of rejigging Rihanna Roberts coming in uh, to centre back instead of playing right back like usual. I'm not sure how accustomed she is to doing that. So you know, there was definitely a lot of extenuating circumstances. It just was a little bit of an alarm bell, but you know, like you say, it's the the third game of three. It's tiring. It was very hot there today, apparently. So all of these things come into play. Um, but overall, I think as an experience, the first two games showed us enough positives that it was definitely a valuable experience, and and again showed us what we're capable of. So looking ahead at uh, the game in April against France in Italy, I think. Again, every reason to be positive uh, going into that and hopefully seeing if we can get a point or, or even better from the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's where focus has already, already moved. And I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't, uh, wasn't unaddressed in this camp either because, yeah. you know, everybody knows how important that game is. Um, the last thing that we are going to mention today um, <laughs> is Noel Mooney, um, who has been i would say flirting with us ruth uh, not you and i <laughs> particularly but uh, with us in general um a lot of mentions about retro kits um he tweeted about a new version of the original admiral kind of train tracks one he tweeted a picture of uh, mark hughes and ian rush in those iconic adidas kits um saying wouldn't this be lovely again or words to that effect Lots of kind of chatter, I will say, on social media as as new kits are incoming, um, potentially for a World Cup. Dare we say it that um, the retro look could be something that's coming back. Um, we've talked to a few kits. I'm a bit of a kit obsessive. I've I've got a big collection of kits, so this sort of thing is right up my street. So the potential to have uh, one of those retro kits reproduced in gen- like by a genuine Adidas kit would be amazing. I have interest if they were going to reproduce any kit. I suppose not necessarily Adidas, although this one will be. Um, which would you like to see us go for, Ruth? 
Oh, of the one of the ones that he seems to be talking about, I'd be going for the the tram tracks. But that's that's as much my own nostalgia as as anything. Um, to be honest, I'd settle for either of those those Adidas ones. I think the ones with the, the one with the white sleeves is lovely too. I, I, you know. I, I don't mind. <laughs> just anything. I'm not too easy. Just roll them out yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. In fact, what I would quite like to see is some sort of uh, combination of these kits, as like home and away kits. I I would love uh-huh. I love the idea of using the kind of um, using those as templates and kind of switching the colours. So my dream would be the same mm-hmm. as you to have that red shirt with the white sleeves and the red stripes, and then have like an away kit. Um, something along the lines of a white shirt like the Adidas one uh, but with red, the thin red stripes going across um, mm-hmm. which which is the 84 kit I think that that would be, I think that would be a nice little play. Equally you could do something I quite like the idea of having like a, a plain white kit um, with uh, maybe like green and red tram tracks coming up i don't know if, if that's feasible as well but i mean i am no fashion designer but i i do think that would be great and i think the way people are reacting to it is if they did something like this like amalgamated these kits into home and away kits i think they would sell absolutely bucket loads of them so um noel again if you're listening um i very much doubt you are but if you are um I, th- I think you should hire me on some sort of fashion advice uh, and I can mock up a few, uh, you know, before I go back to work and after my COVID uh, quarantine finishes, I can knock up a few demos for you and let me know what you think. So I won't charge too much. Just uh, just let me know what you think. Um, so, yeah. So do, do you think that's the way we're going, Ruth? I would be absolutely delighted if it was. I, I think so. I mean, I think, um, you know, he's very he's obviously quite social media savvy. He's yeah. not he's not doing these things by accident. Um, he's looking to, you know, generate some interest, even just get a feel for how genuine people's desire is for these for these retro kits. I don't think it would be any surprise that these had a lot of traction since those tweets came out and a lot of discussion. Um, just better deliver now, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if it just comes out, it's one of those. It's just it's just plain red. I know we absolutely live it. Um, so <laughs> if we have another one of those. Back of the wardrobe playing red ones that yeah. look like they've come out of the stock room. I will be very yeah. delighted. Yes. Yeah. Which I forget what year it was. The year that we didn't go to the World Cup. I think it must have been where it was just the, the plain red with the kind of the three, three stripes down the side under the armpit mm-hmm. sort of thing that looked like. Oh shit! We forgot to do the Wales kit, lads. Uh, red <laughs> and some white stripes on the side. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. No one will notice. Good job. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want it. I don't want it to be that. But yeah, uh, fingers crossed. And Noel, if you are listening, please, please do get in touch. Um, so I don't think Ruth, there is anything else that I have missed from what we were talking about there. We talked about the questions as well as we've been going along. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think okay. we're all done. We're all done. Yeah, that's not bad timing for us. I know, only relatively limited amount of waffle, which is uh, exceptional. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your time. I hope you're suitably warmer than you uh, than you normally are doing this. So that's uh, that's a bonus. Yeah, minus six Fahrenheit tomorrow. So you know, I'm glad to be in the library. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Uh, well there you go ladies and gentlemen uh, we'll be back in two weeks goodness knows what will have happened by that time but hopefully uh, there'll be lots for us to talk about I would imagine we're pretty close then to the to the build up to those playoff games then so uh, exciting times oh god I feel nervous all of a sudden um, okay I'm going to stop thank you very much for listening ladies and gents uh, enjoy your couple of weeks and we will speak to you very soon goodbye
Bye-bye.